God about ten times I wasn't going to preach this message. And he wouldn't leave me alone with it. And so I'm going to preach it. I'm going to go in this direction. I want to talk to you about purpose today. The title of the message is Claim Your Prize. Claim Your Prize. And uh, we all believe that God has a reward for us. God has blessings in store for us. God has a great destiny and purpose for our lives. Um, But sometimes I don't think we fully comprehend how he wants to get us to that purpose and the journey that we take and and, and how we get to there. And and I'm just going to tell you, I've got things a little scattered today. I was trying to help tie it down as much as I could for Eric back there. Um, But you're just going to have to kind of stay with me this morning. But there's three things that I want to look at that I believe uh, uh, involve purpose in our lives. Three things that purpose Uh, that we must recognize, I guess, if you will, if we want to see God's plan and God's purpose fulfilled. You're in Numbers chapter 13, but on the screen I want you to look at Proverbs 19.21. Proverbs 19.21 says, You can make many plans, but the Lord's purpose will prevail. You can make many plans, but it's the Lord's purpose that will prevail. A lot of times I think that we miss out on fulfilling God's purpose for our lives because we're too busy fulfilling our purpose for our lives. And this, this shows us you, you've got two options here. You can go one of two directions with your life. You can make plans and live according to your plan, or you can discover God's purpose and live according to his purpose and see his purpose fulfilled in your life. Here's the first thing you need to know. That purpose is not created, it's discovered. Purpose is not created. What does that mean? That means you don't wake up one morning and decide what you're going to do with your life. You discover what you're going to do with your life. It's already played out. See, God does not make anything by accident. What does that mean? That means that he gives... He knows what it is, and he knows what it will do before he creates it. God does not create something and then say, hmm, I wonder what we're going to do with this. Or it looks like it could achieve this, or it looks like it could do that. No, he has all that played out from the beginning, and then he puts it into action. See, purpose answers one question. It answers the most important question that you could ever answer in your life. You thought you needed to know what you were supposed to do or how you were supposed to do it or where you were going to do it. But God wants you to discover to discover why you do it. And purpose answers the question, why? Purpose always answers the question, why? Some of you have been with us for a while and you're already mouthing the words with me because you know that th- this is... Uh, I'm meticulous about purpose. With our leadership team, I'm almost maybe overboard, but that's okay. I'd rather be overboard than, you know, nowhere near it. Uh, I I would rather be over the top with trying to know the purpose for something. Or always, I mean, just this last month, we've got a team that's been with us for almost the entire five years that we've been here. And just this last month, I said, "Go go back and find out your purpose statement for your area. What is the purpose? Why 
do you exist? Why do we do children's ministry? Why do we have greeters at the door? Why do we have a production team? Why do we have work? I don't ever want to do anything just because. My, my, my son is in this phase right now. I'm praying for deliverance over his life. He's laying hands on him daily because he's in the why stage. But why? But why? See, it's, it's, it's born within your nature to know why. It's as we grow up that we think we need to know what and how. And God, where, where do you want me? He's not so much concerned with where as to why because you could be right where God wants you and do it for the wrong reason. So he wants you to know why. Because when you find out why, that'll answer what, and that'll answer how, and that'll answer where, and that'll answer when. What is God's will? You don't need to know what is God's will. You need to know why he has a will for you in the first place. What is his purpose for your life? We need to discover the why. See, where purpose is not known, some of you already know, abuse is inevitable. Where purpose is not known, abuse is inevitable. If you don't know why, then you will abuse whatever that thing is. We have gun laws abused today because people don't know why they own a gun. That's why we have child abuse. That's why we have spouse abuse. And that's why we have job abuse and even church abuse because we don't know why we go to church and we don't know why we have a job. We don't know why we have money, so we abuse our money. We don't know why we have a spouse, so we abuse our spouse. And and, then we don't know why we have children, so we abuse our children. You abuse. See, you can't blame the ibuprofen if, if the individual doesn't read the directions on the back that says take no more than four every 24 hours. They pop 10 in their mouth. It's not going to be effective and productive to them because they don't know the purpose for it. It's not to make you feel good. It's there to relieve a pain. It's not there to help you fall asleep. It's not there for you to pass out. It's not there for you. And and so we abuse what we don't recognize the purpose for. Abuse is inevitable. And so it's so important to understand how God wants to direct our lives and, and, and how God wants his plan and his purpose to unfold in our lives. And, and starting today, I want you to quit abusing your life and quit abusing your destiny and quit abusing your call and quit abusing the people that God has sent you and, and quit abusing the money that you have and, and quit abusing the time that you have. We've got to discover the purpose behind it. And in Numbers chapter 13, it's a very sad story. Uh, when, when I think of people that were pressing into and moving into something that God had promised and, and God had uh, 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 place the promise over their life for, I think of the Israelites. I think of God's people when they came out of Egypt. The Israelites came out of Egypt. They were delivered by a man named Moses, and they ended up in a wilderness. And in Numbers chapter 13, they end up on the edge of the blessing. They end up on the edge of where God has been wanting to take them for over a thousand years. 
You go all the way back to Genesis chapter 12, and God gives a promise to a man named Abraham. And he says, I'm going to make you a father of many nations, and you won't possess this land, but your descendants will possess this land. And here in Numbers chapter 13, we're going to start with verse 17. It says, Moses gave the men these instructions. So now they're on the edge of the land. And Moses calls together 12 men, one from each tribe, 12 men, 12 spies, to go into the promised land. And Moses gave, them, gave the men these instructions as he sent them out to explore the land. Go north through the Negev into the hill country. See what the land is like and find out whether the people living there are strong or weak, few or many. See what kind of land they live in. Is it good or bad? Do their towns have walls or are they unprotected like open camps? Is the soil fertile or poor? Are there many trees? Do your best to bring back samples of the crops you see, and it happened to be the season for harvesting the first ripe grapes. The first thing we got to understand about purpose is the perspective. The perspective. We've got to understand that purpose gives us God's perspective. You can't fulfill the purpose that God has for your life until you get God's perspective for your life. Moses is not sending these spies into the land to figure out, uh, is this the land we're supposed to go into? Uh, He's not sending them into the promised land to determine, um, you know, is this the right place? I mean, I know we've spent all this time traveling here. I I know that we've spent all this time trying to get to the promised land, and we've been believing uh, year after year after year, over 430 years in slavery for this land but you know what, let, let, let's go in and check it out and, and make sure this is what God wants us to do. That's not why he's sending them in. He's sending them in to determine how do we take it. Because God has already set in motion, this is your promised land. I mean, he names off the tracts of land. He names off the borders and, 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 and the, the guidelines and the boundaries. He knows that they're... I mean, if if you could follow the GPS, it would bring you right here. This is it. And you go in to spy out a land to determine how you're going to take it. I need to know if there's walls or not so we know if we need to prepare to take walls. I need to know uh, what the forests are like. I need to know where each camp is stationed so I know where to go to to take over who. And so the, they were going in to gain God's perspective, but they end up going in and getting their own perspective. See, the Israelites, they were delivered out of Egypt, but they were never really set free. And the Israelites are a lot like a lot of believers today. We, we get delivered out of darkness into light. We come out of sin into life. Uh, And and just like Colossians tells us, we've been transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his beloved son. And, and, And we make that transition spiritually, but we never make the transition in our minds. That's why Romans chapter 12 tells us to renew our minds. Do not be conformed to the world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. 
See, the Israelites saw so many miracles, so many signs, so many wonders. They saw water come out of a rock. They saw a, a Red Sea parted uh, right down the middle so they could walk across it on dry land. They, say, they saw God uh, bring plague after plague after plague against the Egyptians to deliver them and, and saw God's hand move. And all of that, and they still never convinced themselves that God was able. Never convinced themselves. We come to church and we hear the word preached week after week after week. We, we, we see God doing awesome wonders in our lives as we apply the word to our lives. We, we, we see these things take place. And then we get into the land where God is promising us. We, we see the purpose that he's provided for us and, and we talk ourselves out of it. We begin to see it from our perspective rather than God's perspective. And there is no achieving of God's purpose until you first gain God's perspective. Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3 verse 1 tells us, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is. Seek. That means that it's not an automatic reaction. You don't get born again and then automatically see things the way God sees them. You've got to seek. You've got to set your mind, he says here. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. I'm not just talking about your natural eyes, but what happens is, is your natural eyes will talk you out of what your spiritual eyes want to see. If we don't be purposeful in our lives, and be intentional in our lives to see it the way God sees it. See, if you don't see it different, it won't become different. If you don't see it different, it won't become different. God's purpose in your life doesn't show up by accident. You've got to be intentional about seeing God's purpose come, come to pass in your life. You've got to be intentional about no. I don't care what the enemy says. I don't care what my parents say. I don't care what my schooling says. I don't care what my past says. I am called to God's purpose, and I'm not going to make a plan outside of his purpose. You've got to be intentional. So you've got to seek, seek, and you've got to set on his purpose, on his perspective. And so we go back over here to Numbers chapter 13. We come back over here and in verse 26, or let's start with 25, verse 25. And they returned from spying out the land after 40 days. After exploring, after exploring the land for 40 days, the men returned, verse 26, to Moses, Aaron, and the whole community of Israel at Kadesh in the wilderness of Paran. They reported to the whole community what they had seen and showed them the fruit they had taken from the land. It doesn't matter even if you see God's goodness in front of you. If you don't choose to partake of it, it won't ever become a part of your life. They even play show and tell. They bring back some items. Hey, look what we've got. But look what happens in verse 27. 
This was their report to Moses. We entered the land you sent us to explore. And it is indeed a bountiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey. Here is the kind of fruit it produces. But verse 28, but the people, there's always a but. There's always a but. The New King James says, nevertheless, nevertheless, the people. The people living there are powerful. Their towns are large and fortified. We even saw giants there. And rather than devising a plan to overtake these people, to move into what God has planned for them, they're devising a plan to turn around and go back. As you keep reading, they, they, they even lay eyes. Do not tell yourself. Do not convince yourself. God, if you would just show me what my purpose is. I tell you right now, if he showed you the path at the very end, you'd never take the first step. If God showed me my path that I just explained to you, I would have, I, I, I would have thought God was a liar. I, I would have found another way. I would have made up my own plan. If God showed you the last step, you'd never take the first step. No, you need to gain his perspective in every step. We're just going to conquer this right now. It's in front of us. So we're going to fight these giants. We're going to fight these battles. We're going to take this town. It's walled up, or we're going to get the walls to come down. We're going to come over here, and we're going to send in the right man for this job. We're going to do everything that's necessary, everything that it takes for this battle in front of us now. We're not trying to win all of Canaan at one time. But we saw giants there. Three of them, by the way. Three giants. Verse 29. The Amalekites live there in the Negev, and the Hittites, Jebusites, Amorites live in the hill country. The Canaanites live along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea and along the Jordan Valley. Everything that they're saying is to give them a reason to go in, but they're using everything that they're saying to give them a reason not to go in. I'm going to tell you right now, you can come up with plenty of reasons not to take a first step into God's purpose for your life. But every reason you come up with is every reason why God wants you there in the first place. So you, you, you complain about your job. And he says, that's the very reason why I have you there. You complain about your financial situation. He says, yes, that's the very reason why I have you there, because I need you to trust in me for finances, because I, I, I've, got, uh, I've got big things in store for you, and you're going to have to think beyond the normal week-to-week paycheck and, and the tax income that comes every year. You're going to have to think bigger than that. You're going to have to get your eyes on me, not your eyes on the stuff. Complain about the marital situation. He says, yes, that's exactly why I brought that person into your life, is so you could change them and they could change you. The the very thing that you complain about is the very thing that God has put an anointing upon your life to change. You wouldn't need anointing on your life if there was nothing to change. If everything was perfect, if you had the perfect job and you had all the money and you had the perfect wife and the perfect kids, then you wouldn't need to be anointed. But we complain about the very thing that God has called us to impact and to influence for his kingdom. It's because we don't have his perspective. If you could raise your mind, if you could seek those things which are above, 
not the things which are on the earth. If you could set your mind on things above, not on things below, then we could see it the way God sees it, and we could see what needs to be changed, what needs to be influenced, what needs to be impacted. But we have to see it in our minds first. If you can't see it in your mind, you won't see it with your eyes. If you can't see it with your mind, you will not see it with your eyes. They had to grab a hold of a promise that was over a thousand years old. See, there, there's no time limit. There, there's, there, there's no age. God doesn't give promises that, that on the bottom you look for the goodbye date or the expiration date. There's no expiration date to God's promise. In fact, if you go back to Genesis chapter 15, we're not going to look at it right now, but if you go back to Genesis chapter 15, God promised Abraham, told Abraham exactly what was going to take place prior to all this stuff. God was never surprised. Can I, can I just encourage you with something today? In the day and age that we live in, in the times that we live in, we should not be surprised. We should not be surprised by what's happening in our nation. We should not be surprised by what's happening in our world. There should be no surprises to the church of the living God. I don't get very many amens on that one because we feel like God has lifted his hand and he's not in, you know, he doesn't have anything to do with it. But I'm going to tell you today, he is in control, he is in charge, and he's given that authority and that power to you and I. We talked about it last week when we prayed for our nation. Quit praying for the president to change everything when the church doesn't want to change everything. I think a lot of Christians want a Christian president so they won't have to work as hard. I, I, I know that there's candidates. I know who's running. I know uh, what they're saying and what they're not saying. Some of them are a little louder than others. Some of them trump others. I mean, that's just what happens. But at the end of the day, you've got to understand that it's God's choice, it's God's man, and whatever happens, you obey the authority, you acknowledge the authority, but it's time for the church to stand up in kingdom authority. Quit whining and complaining and griping about what's going on and start standing up and praying for the man that's in office and praying for things to change in our nation. More than a godly president, we need godly men and women. I mean, you look at the Bible, and, and there weren't very many godly leaders, even in the church. And almost all of the godly leaders that God raised up influenced an evil leader. Joseph was not serving a godly Pharaoh. Come on. This is the nation that ended up taking the Israelites into slavery. Moses didn't go before a godly man. Paul did not go before any godly kings and godly leaders. King Agrippa got the closest. He said, thou almost persuadest me to become a Christian. That's as close as Paul got to having a godly president. You and I have had it way better than any of the leaders in the Bible, and they had way more influence than the church has had in the last hundred years. That's just the bottom line. 
At least we've had some leaders that had some kind of godly value and godly morals and godly principles. At least over our 300-something years of being a nation, we've had some type of foundation on biblical value. They had none. They had leaders that wanted to kill them. And Paul would still write things to Timothy that said, honor your leaders, pray for your leaders, give thanks even for your leaders. All right, that's enough of that. Purpose has a perspective. Number two, purpose has a price. Purpose has a price. There will be a cost to achieve the calling. There will be a cost to achieve what God has called you to do. There will be a sacrifice on your part to see God's purpose fulfilled in your life, period. You don't achieve God's purpose your way. You only achieve God's purpose His way. And there's a sacrifice. There's a cost that has to take place. And and I can only imagine... Uh, as Joseph and Abraham, and Isaac and Jacob, as they've already passed on, I can only imagine what they're looking down, watching the Israelites complain and gripe about. I can only imagine what they're saying on the inside, thinking, we paid the price to get you here, and you can't pay the price to move forward. See, some of us only count the initial cost. And we don't take into account the maintenance fee. Look at your neighbor and say, there's a maintenance fee. There's a maintenance fee. It's going to cost you something. Uh, what, what is obtained has to be maintained. And here's the dangerous side, is that it's dangerous to inherit what you haven't invested in. Uh, it's dangerous to take hold of what you haven't laid anything down for. And this is an inheritance. This is something that's been given. This is a promise that has been given to them. But they're not willing to pay the same price to get in that Abraham had to pay just to get to this point. That Moses had to pay. I mean, look at, think about Joseph's life, man. He's thinking, you're complaining about the giants? You're complaining? I was thrown in a well. I was sold into slavery. I was lied about. I was put in jail. And God still found a way for, uh, to, to achieve his purpose in my life. And now you're going to stop yourself short here? You're going you're gonna to shut yourself down here? Not willing to pay the cost. See, you can't expect the same product. If you're unwilling to pay the same price. You can't expect the same product. See, that's, that's the thing. Is, is We don't truly know the value we have for something until someone shows us the price tag. Right? Oh, man, I, I, I love those pants, man. Those are awesome pants. How much are they? Oh, yeah, never, never mind, man. I'm going to run on down here to TJ Maxx, find me some. I don't need to. I'm going to go to Plato's Closet. I don't need to find. Right? Can I get a shout-out over here from my Plato's team? There, that's, that's your little commercial. That's your blurb right there. So don't, don't go tear them all down at one time. Right? You don't know the value until you're shown the price tag, until you're shown what it's going to cost you, what it's, what it's worth. 
And it's only worth what you're willing to pay for it anyway. Yeah, you walk up on a dealership and, 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 and you try to tell, have a, have a dealer try to tell you how much a vehicle is going to cost. Man, it, it ain't worth that. It might be worth that to you and to your pocketbook. It ain't worth that to me. The value is only is assessed by you. You determine what it's worth. How, how, how much is it worth to get into the promised land? How much is it worth to achieve God's purpose? How much is it worth to see God's plan fulfilled in your life? What are you willing to lay down? What are you willing to pay the price for? You've got to understand that there's a price. And lastly, we've got to understand that purpose has a prize. Purpose has a prize. And the prize is worth the price. You know, I always make this statement. What it will cost you not to follow after God is much higher than what it will cost you if you just choose to follow Him. The cost is always greater not to follow than it is to follow. You want to make the choice to go after God's call, God's purpose. Philippians chapter 3, you guys know these verses. Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. Not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize. Everyone say prize. For the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. The greater the pressure, the closer you're getting. The greater the pressure, the closer you're getting. The pressure is always greatest at the finish line. If it's feeling harder, if it's getting tougher, if there's more pressure showing up, that just means you are that much closer to achieving God's purpose for your life. There weren't any giants in the wilderness. There weren't uh, any Canaanites in the wilderness. But when they got up on the promised land, the purpose that God had for them, now they start seeing things that might hinder them. The pressure shows up. The end. Second Timothy chapter, or First Corinthians. I'm sorry. First Corinthians chapter nine. First Corinthians chapter nine, verse twenty-four. Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Everyone say prize. Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we. For an imperishable crown, the prize is worth the price. Therefore, I run thus, not with uncertainty, not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body, bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. It's going to take some discipline. It's going to take some endurance. You're going to overcome some opposition, but every opportunity to quit 
is an opportunity to prove God's faithfulness. Remember, it's his purpose, not yours. It's his obligation to fulfill it, not yours. You're obligated to stay in your lane. You're obligated to endure. He who endures until the end shall be saved. It's those that make it to the end, that endure to the end. They will see God's plan fulfilled in their lives. It's for his glory. Every opportunity to quit is an opportunity to prove God's faithfulness. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6, Paul is admonishing Timothy. Paul is on his way out, and he's talking to Timothy, who's on his way in. And he says, I'm already being poured out as a drink offering. The time of my departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day, and not to me only, but also to all who have loved his appearing. Further on down in the chapter, he says this, verse 17, But the Lord stood with me and strengthened me, so that the message might be preached. Everyone needs a so that. Everyone needs a so that. That's God's purpose. It's God's plan. I'm telling you, life without purpose is no life at all. The only fulfillment you're ever going to find in life is fulfilling God's plan. You won't be fulfilled fulfilling your own plan. You won't. You'll be empty. You'll be sad. You'll be miserable. You'll always know that there's more you could have done. But fulfilling God's plan brings fulfillment to your life. He says, so that the message might be preached fully through me, and that all the Gentiles might hear. Also, I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion, and the Lord will deliver me from every evil work and preserve me for his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. Chase, Lisa, if y'all come. Guys, I just want us to take an opportunity today Take a moment today to recognize, to recognize that it's his purpose that prevails. It's his purpose that lasts forever. It's his purpose that remains. Whatever you're trying to achieve on your own, whatever you're trying to figure out on your own, get God involved. Tell you right now. That's the only place of fulfillment. That's the only place where answers show up. That's the only place where direction and guidance are. That's the only place where you have hope and a future. He says, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a future and a hope. Come on, you've got a future and a hope. And it's hidden in God. It's hidden in Him. You can't find future without Him. You can't find hope without Him. You can't find direction without Him. You can't find guidance without Him. You've got to follow God's plan. For I know the plans I have for you. 
He's, he's not in heaven just winging it. He's not in heaven saying, what are we going to do today? He's not in heaven. Uh, he, he's not taking every step with you. He's already taken the steps and he said, guess what? I've already ordained your steps. I've already got it picked out where you're going to go. I, I know you don't know right now. I know you don't know what tomorrow holds. I know you don't know what next year holds. I know you don't have any idea what five years, what's going to happen in five years from now. But I've got the steps ordained. The steps of the righteous man are ordained of the Lord. So let's take the step today into his purpose. Let's take the step today into his calling. Let's gain his perspective. Be willing to pay the price and get ready to take a hold of the prize that awaits you at the end. Father, we thank you this morning. What a great plan. What a great purpose. What a great destiny you have. Father, I pray this morning that every unanswered question, every unclear step becomes clear to us right now in the name of Jesus. We place a priority on your plan. Father, we choose to see what you see. We choose to see how you see it. And we're not moved by what we see. We're not moved by how we feel. We're not moved by what the world says. We're not even moved by our past. There is nothing that can limit you except us. There's nothing that can stand in the way of your purpose except for us. We renew our minds this morning to clearly see the way you see. To clearly see what you see. To clearly see how you see. Father, we thank you that we'll take the steps into the plan. We'll see the provision. We'll see your purpose fulfilled in our lives. And Father, just as Paul said, we'll give you all the glory forever and ever. We will give you all the praise. People will glorify you for what we see established and taking place in our lives. We thank you for this today. In Jesus' name, amen.